Hello, Mainly fans. We've got a great show for you today. Andy O'Brien and Hanji Chang, the husband and wife team behind O-Chang Comics, the creators of Temp Tales, join us to discuss the inspiration for their beloved animated series. Temp Tales follows Adam, Green Bud Kelly, and the other residents of Fantasy Haven Island off the mid-main coast in this workplace comedy that's not safe for work. The show is very much a 21st century phenomenon, but as you'll see, it was influenced by much more of Maine's history, including the Back to the Land movement of the 60s and 70s, among other things. Its creators are unquestionably a part of, and in conversation with, other New England and Maine humorists, even though they admit this was not their original plan. Now hold on a minute there, bub. If I'm going on the show, I want them back at parents bothering me about cussing without a warning. I already owe Donnie for running over the road chickens with his truck I borrowed and not cleaning the grill last week. So you folks listening out there, be sure to put the kids away before you twist one up and listen to this episode. And if you like, be sure to subscribe. If you don't like it, well, don't bother me none. I don't give a fucking Ted. My guests today are Hanji Chang and Andy O'Brien, the co-creators of O Chang Comics. Andy, Hanji, welcome to Mainly History. Thanks for having us. It is such an honor. So uh, I was hoping for people who are uninitiated with Temp Tales, if maybe we could... uh, perhaps speak with Bud to get acquainted with the with the franchise? Oh, sure. Okay. All right. Uh, so, Bud Kelly, for people who don't know you, uh, could you describe yourself, please? Oh, I'm just a small island fella. Lives out on uh, Fantasy Haven. I like to uh, go mud bogging, do a little road hunting, and uh, occasionally paint houses. How would you describe your workforce? You know, people like uh, like Adam. Oh, yeah, they're a bunch of mainland trash, but, you know, I uh, I, I hire them to give them something to do, you know, because that's what I do. I'm a job creator. Oh, okay. You're a job creator, right? Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. So then, if, if you could, Bud, could you describe a perfect day for you? Well, I don't know if it's a perfect day, but it's a typical day. I get up and... Uh, Drive down to the boat launch, roll up a jibba, and uh, and then uh, go out to the job site, paint a few clabbins, then take another smoky break. And then, oh gosh, I'd say about 12.30, I uh, go home, watch the Bold and Beautiful, and then the uh, rest of the afternoon, uh, going out mud bogging. Right. But uh, inquiring fans have asked, you know, your for your for your thoughts on a few matters. So uh one of them was if you uh if you meet a woman, you're gonna romance her. Where are you gonna take her? Jesus, I used to take him over to the bounty tavern. Fucking whoop it up. But I haven't been out into the scene lately. I've I've got a steady. Oh, okay. Okay. And so 
Uh, if you were made cultural ambassador of Maine, uh, Bud, what would you say are some of the unappreciated gems of Maine? Right. You go down to the Fantasy Haven dump, you can find some real treasures. If you get there on Saturday, of course, if the dump Nazis around, it might be, might give you some grief, but now we ain't much. He ain't gonna give you much problem. The dump Nazis? Do you mean the? Do you mean the cop? No, the friggin' transfer station Nazis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh... Uh, <laughs> so, Bud, if you would recommend, if is there an unappreciated place in Maine that that uh, people from away should visit? Well, you could go out to the Blood Mud Run out in Morrill. They give it to a hat. Maybe down to the Union Fair. Go out for the demolition derby. They go out there. They get the beaters and they just fucking stave them right up. So you go to the you go to the bar with your friends. What are you ordering? Appleton mimosa, PBR, and orange juice. <laughs> excellent, excellent. That sounds good. Are you a fan of Allen's Coffee Brandy? Poor brandy? Oh, I suppose I'll drink it every once in a while. It gets me right hyped up. These days, I like to drink them fireball nips, you know, get a little hum going and, you know, on, on the way home from work. Okay. A low hum only, though. Just a low hum. Just, just a low hum. Want anything buzzing. Not a big buzz, just a low hum. Okay. Finally, if, if there was one thing that you would hope Governor Mills and the legislature uh, tackle this year, 2023, what would it be? What would make uh, Bud Kelly's day? Let it, let me bring my mud truck on the road. Jesus, it's only got a 15-inch lift on it. She ain't going to hurt anything. Besides, you know, I use it for work. I'm a job creator. Create a lot of jobs. You know, be good for everybody. Just stop regulating them pointy-headed road bureaucrats in Augusta always trying to tell me how to run my truck. That's all I'm asking for. It's true, and they keep wanting you to do things like paying your workers and money instead of in you know goods and kind friggin bureaucrats always trying to tell me how to run it but you know <laughs> they're they're uh you know i i i pay them with room and board they can use one of my uh one of my shacks you know it's, you know it doesn't have any running water or electricity but you know it'll keep a roof over your head got a couple shacks over here on this island so what would you say if uh, if somebody told you there was actually going to be a uh, department of labor uh, coming out to inspect the safety conditions on your work site. Tell no tales, boys. <laughs> Excellent. I think this. Uh... Oh, uh, last thing. But if you could, uh, dis- could you describe Fantasy Haven to people who haven't been there? Oh, it's lovely. Yeah. We got the Up Islanders. We got the Down Islanders. We got the Quarry. We got the Dump. You know, some Dump Ducks, you know, Lobster, lobster Billies. It's a great place. So come on out. Bud, thanks for that introduction. Andy and Hanji. Both of your respective paths to what you're up to now are full of more interesting twists and turns than most. Uh, if this was kind of a Marvel franchise, you'd each deserve your own origin movie before your kind of ensemble production of O-Chan comics. Uh, but briefly, to the uninitiated... Hanji, before you were illustrating for O-Chan Comics, what is your what is your story before this? 
so I was always an artist, but I was more of a traditional painter. I've always liked painting um, people. I like learning about people. And for those who don't know, I am originally from Taiwan. My mother's Korean. My father's Taiwanese. And uh, I grew up partially in South Africa during the apartheid. And that's where I learned English, which contributed to me later hanging out with Andy because I can speak English. So we met in Taipei uh, 2006 and Andy was DJing at a bar and we met and became good friends. Um, He likes writing. I like drawing. So seemed like a perfect match to do something together. I came to Maine 2007, officially started living here around 2009, and we moved to Portland uh, in 2011, and that's when I went to Maine College of Art. I didn't want to major in painting because I'm paying everything out of my own pocket. (laughs) Pretty (laughs) expensive school, so I wanted to learn something new. Uh, I've always done digital artwork too so I was really interested in learning something new involved with technology computer and um, I just started falling in love with uh, making animation and uh, one of our first Temptail was actually a final project for my first animation class uh, it was just taken from one of Andy's story uh so which episode was this that was your project this is um meat recall oh okay yeah Yeah. okay and uh, yeah and that was a true story uh from andy when he was working at hannah ford taking calls and uh yeah i just animated that um post online and um somehow people really liked it it went viral um in maine and that's how we kickstarted our animation career. Okay. And uh, Andy, how about you? You're the you're the uh, the from Maine uh, half of this dynamic duo. So what's your story to yeah. Ochang Comics? Uh, so I grew up in Lincolnville, Maine, and when I was in college, I painted houses. I grew up also like washing dishes at local restaurants and blueberry raking and stuff like that. But uh, during that time, I decided to start doing comics about my experience uh, working, working on various painting crews out on the islands and around the mid coast. A lot of, a lot of characters I met along the way. And so I, I sort of sat on those comics for a long time because I, not very much of an artist, but I really liked the kind of uh, work that was sort of <clears throat> narrative form of uh, comics, graphic novels like Harvey Picar and that kind of thing. Mm. So that's where, where I got my inspiration from initially. Um, and then I met Hanji and she was really funny and had a great sense of humor and was a great artist and cartoonist. So I was like, hey, do you want to try making comics like these? And so Moved to Portland in 2011. I I couldn't find a, a a really decent job, so I just took all kinds of crap jobs I could get, like temp temp work and stuff, and did comics about it. And so that's why we called it Temp Tales. 
uh, because it was mostly about my gigs working. And it sort of organically evolved into into what we have now. Um, but I, you know, the meat recall cartoon was sort of what started all. We were doing web comics before that. I've seen some of the early, some of the very early work that's that you have on your site, and I'm recognizing basically our our old neighborhoods in the arts district and Parkside and everything in Portland, and so. You know, uh, we were talking before the recording started, and it seems like we all live virtually uh, next door to each other in Parkside, and so in this similar area. And I was looking at some of Hanji's earlier work, and I'm thinking, oh, that's that's right on Congress Street before it gentrified even more. When yeah. uh, when before like Joe's that convenience store got turned into that fully glass encased like hipster place when Fine it was more of <laughs> yeah it was much more of a like a a kind of a dumpy giant version of like a Seven Eleven or something but like individually owned and all the rest and yeah uh, so... it even had that uh, uh, convenience store that I used to go to and I got Hanji a Valentine's Day mm-hmm. present there once and it was. <laughs> Uh, a slim gym mm-hmm. and I we we took it out and it just crumbled in our hands. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> looked at the expiration date and it was when I was still in high school. <laughs> By that time oh, I was like 30, 32. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that. you I saw Hanji, you even had a, a comic about one of the sign holders who would stand on the intersection on uh Congress and uh well usually I think it was mm-hmm. High Street by the um, by the Flatiron Building, it's now where the. Uh, I actually love that Starbucks. Uh, it's a really good people watching place, and there's always people there with end of the world signs and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I drew that picture uh, right around when Occupy happened, and for those who lived in Portland or remember, that's when um, the whole park was uh, tent city <laughs> and lots <laughs> of people holding signs. Um, I know it's exciting time, but also I yeah. had the guy from Strange Maine. Oh yeah, he was in that big too. guy. Yeah, <laughs> stand out in front of Strange Maine, smoking with big beard. Yeah, I, I think I've always liked absorb observing people. Uh, you know, when I go to concert, I find myself ending up looking at the crowd more than the show on stage. (laughs) I I like looking at people and just their behavior. It just really, really fascinates me. Um, So I, uh, yeah, I, I I really like capturing interesting people in my artwork. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess it it makes sense that Temptale is sort of all based on real life people. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, at that time, just like sort of jumping between various temp jobs and stuff like that gave a lot of fuel for the comic, Mm -hmm. which we eventually actually ended our first comic that came out. We, we couldn't really sell it anywhere. So we just passed it (laughs) around and Occupy, Occupy (laughs) Portland and Lincoln Park. I think there was one in their little makeshift library for a while, but that, I think it was that spring when you, when you started animating that we started making Temp Tales cartoons. Yeah. And so, Hanji, what are your influences in terms of what inspired you to take the the kind of style approach that you did for the animation of Temp Tales? Yeah, um, I know a lot of people like to compare us to South Park. I I, I can see uh, the 
how similar it might look with the round face, big eyes. Uh, Between that and they swear, I think that's why so many people go that way. (laughs) Yeah, the cute style combined Mm -hmm. with like adult content swearing. So yeah, I I I'm not offended. I I was a big fan of South Park. Um, uh, I haven't watched South Park in a couple of years because there's so many other amazing animations now. Yeah. Um, but really the inspiration comes from kind of the Japanese anime manga TV style, like the cute style, that's what they call TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so my favorite cartoon growing up was uh, called GB Maruko. It's, a, it's about a little girl growing up poor in a old fishing village from the 70s and it's just very realistically captured people and it's it's just really cute and funny um so really the style came from that cartoon um and I sort of just had that style since I was in fifth grade (laughs) comic wise Mm. um so yeah, so I, I, I think that would be my biggest inspiration in terms of artwork. Okay. That, I think that is one of the great things about Temptails is how it does combine that, uh, where the, the characters look more benign than what comes out of their mouths, which just <laughs> makes it even funnier. My personal favorite touch that you did visually was in the Great Lost Strain when you have the the lobbyists parachute down into <laughs> Augusta and then they all come running into the Capitol with their arms like splayed back and their eyes huge and it's this very like anime trope and it was perfect. Like I don't <laughs> think there's anything that you could have done that would have like better encapsulated and I'm just now, I just imagine like regular adult human non-animated lobbyists like doing that now whenever i whenever people talk about like lobbyists in dc um so um, the naruto run yeah I, that's uh, what when, it's called okay i am not well versed in uh in the anime tropes um yeah so i um i slowly and you saw the early temptails and to now uh the great strain I slowly started incorporating like my own sense of humor visually and like Asian sense of humor. And when I saw the script Andy wrote on that scene, I was just like, I have to do a Naruto run. (laughs) (laughs) It works so well. Yeah, thank you. And now I've learned something. Now I know that's called a Naruto run. And I'm going to try and work that into other, other conversations and other things. Yeah. Um, so Hanji about that how did your time in Maine shape your your visual and creative inputs into Temptales like are certain experiences or storylines things that happened to you or is it things that gave you ideas for how people should look or how scenes should be presented yeah, I I think um like I said earlier, I I just like observing people wherever I go. Um and I mean definitely and also at the same time, um, you know, a lot of things I'm animating in a cartoon, I don't fully understand it either. I Andy will give me the script and I'll be like, I, I don't know why that's funny. Okay, I'll animate it. <laughs> <laughs> I still 
don't fully understand. Um, I do for the most part. Um, but I always say that every single episode I do, I learn something new about living in Maine. Yeah. And um, I I think it's because the first place I lived in is Lincolnville. And, you know, it's a small town. For the people not from here, uh, where in Maine roughly is Lincolnville? It's between Camden and Belfast. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mid coast. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's very different from Portland and mm-hmm. where I came from. I I um grew up in Taipei for the most of my life, one of the busiest city in the world. Um so yeah, that was uh that was a really shocking experience living in Lincolnville, uh, in good or bad ways, um, <laughs> but definitely started, um, you know, meeting characters that I would have never known prior to coming to Maine. Yeah, so I think a lot of the characters I draw are like this mishmash of people I have met along the way since I lived in Maine. I mean, there's certain types of characters, too, that you've met, like, you know, Krita is is kind of a character that is kind of universal in some ways, you know. And, yeah. And certainly uh, Bud-type characters around the mid-coast, mm-hmm. caretakers and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you stayed here, I think you learned, <laughs> you sort of observed those people and took it in. Yeah, I did. About the people from Maine responding particularly to this and how local it is. I mean, that reminds me. So uh, two of my closest friends, uh, I went to college with them and they ended up getting married. One of them grew up in, in Hampton, Maine, and the other did not, is from away. And so when I was first, I was introduced to this, your work by, by a Mainer a long time ago. You know, I, I got in back on the ground floor, as it were. Uh, of of fandom. So when I shared it with them uh, a while back, my friend who grew up in Maine, she was watching it with her husband and she would be laughing hysterically at points. And he, she said he was just kind of sitting there blinking. (laughs) But, you know, she grew up in this little town, not terribly far from Bangor, but far enough away to be, you know, a small town. And so, you know, she would tell stories about having to bail out some distant relative out of jail because they purposely ran over a bunch of game birds with their truck. In oh front yeah. Of, road hunting <laughs> yeah, in front of a bunch of out of town bird watchers who then like wrote down the plate number and they called the cops. <laughs> yeah. So, they used to call yeah. it like the partridges road chickens and they'd go, uh, <laughs> go hunting up there. I had a friend from Greenville that used to do that. It was <laughs> yeah. supposed to do right. <laughs> So Hanji, I'm curious uh, of the characters mm-hmm. uh, that that you two created for Ochang Comics uh, when in terms of how they came out on the animation, uh, which character is your favorite? <laughs> um, my favorite character is definitely Krita. Uh, however, I he's great on paper or on screen. I mm-hmm. don't think I would ever want to meet him in real life. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I think that's that's fair. Yeah. Uh, there are some dramatic creations that are just better left to fiction, of course. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I think, I mean, 
we all lived in Portland. We we knew Critters in Portland on the streets as well. Yeah, um, I mean, Critter was basically like yeah. There's a lot of Critters in Portland. That's the thing. <laughs> I, I I used to have a Critter on a painting crew I worked on who would just. You know, I was like 20 years old and he was like 60 something and he was just loved to see if he could vi- vicariously live through me. He was like, hey, hey, boss, you, you getting some? <laughs> Boy, if I was a young fellow like you, I'd be humping everything that came around the freaking over to this island or whatever. And it was just it's a certain type of character you meet that is just, you know, they love to try to relive the glory days or, or at least how they perceived it <laughs> yeah there's a there's just critters worldwide i remember once i was in an airport like in one of those bookstores and so i'm like i had time to kill so i'm browsing one of the magazines in there so i don't have to buy it you know pay 20 dollars or whatever and some some dirty old man walks up to me and i guess there was some movie star on the on the cover of it and he just elbows me out of the blue. And he just goes, yeah, yeah. You want to tear that one up, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm geez. like, excuse me? <laughs> Can I help you? <laughs> yeah, there was one guy I remember meeting. I was like, we were walking by the State Theater. And there was a huge line of people, a bunch of hippie types, uh, to see String Cheese Institute <laughs> incident. And this guy was just like, hey, you see that? She's just look at those women. <laughs> More like strip tease incident. <laughs> He's like, you know what I'm talking about, boss? <laughs> Nudging me and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, Andy, same question for you. Uh, which character uh, is your favorite? Um, I mean, I always liked the character of Constable Bumgardner just because I... <laughs> I kind of knew, <laughs> knew that character growing up because in Lincolnville, we, we never, uh, for years, we had a part-time constable uh, who was the de facto cop. I think he bought a police cruiser at a um, auction, and but he wasn't terribly serious. And eventually they actually got a full-time cop. But I remember a friend of mine said, yeah, I crashed a car on new year's eve over in lincolnville and called up the cops and he the guy goes i ain't going down there i'm too drunk (laughs) and and so and and also every every like every so often you'd see in like the local newspaper like some crime in lincolnville and it would always be quoting like chief constable says he has a good idea who done it and (laughs) They never found who it was. It's like, and, you know, somebody setting setting fire to like the municipal salt shed with, with <laughs> stolen mail. He's like, I have a good idea which young man done that. Uh, and they'd always say like his his uniform consisted of a pair of sweatpants and a beer stained NFL t-shirt. <laughs> uh, and so Eventually, we got a full time cop, but then everybody revolted, including the former constable, because he just <laughs> sit in the middle of town and pull everybody over. So Lincolnville actually, <laughs> for years, would just go back and forth at town meetings, and there would be a huge contingent of people to vote out the police force. They would just basically put no ah. money in the budget for police. And so Lincolnville actually defunded the police like 10 years ago mm-hmm. at a town meeting. Uh, before it was fashionable they kind of started the 
defund the police movement in the middle. That's really pioneering, very radical of them. <laughs> yes. And and the, the whole fire department was on board with that one. The people who defunded the police who voted are all people who like <laughs> ever got pulled over by the cop at Lincolnville Center. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, 25 miles an hour. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so I like I like Constable Bob Gardner because he just kind of hangs out and he's also sort of kind of goes along with the crew, doesn't want to cause a lot of ripples. I mean, you hear these stories like from the islands uh, where you get a full time police officer. Finally, everybody hated him. And then one time <coughs> I just ended up getting firebombed. Yeah. You know, um, well, he very clearly is annoyed by having to do his job and come out there and yeah. stop Bud from doing whatever whatever nonsense he's up to yeah yeah and my boss when i worked over on Owlsboro, used to always say like you know heaven is the cranberry isles i was like the cranberry isles are you kidding me and he's like yeah he's like they don't have any cops they just ride around on the hoods of their cars all the time and i was like (laughs) (laughs) really (laughs) that's just i just expected to go to the cranberry isles and just see all these cars going by with like people (laughs) like yeah Yeah, that's libertarian yeah exactly exactly uh hanji i'm actually i was initially full of of hope when i was looking at some of your earlier work because you had you had the crime blotter funnies there was only one entry there and part of me was kind of hoping that you had been trolling the the crime logs from the the bangor daily news which are always just full of rich material from like you know east mill Knockett and stuff about man arrested for intoxicated operation of a chainsaw on a public intersection kind of stuff <laughs> Yeah, so we started those um, police log funnies long before the animation and mm-hmm. um, on our web comic. I think um, at the time, like I would, we would be drawing these comic strips every week. I would be drawing oh, them wow. on the weekends while I was in school. And the thing is, nobody read them. Nobody. <laughs> we were the only people on that website. So when Tempels took off, I just, it just uh, didn't think to continue drawing those comics. But we have kind of talked about the idea of maybe we should just like animate those police log stories. Some um, of them, they're so, yeah. They um, are. It's something that after I had to move away for work, that was one of the things that I miss most about local media. Like Rhode Island is crazy, but it it doesn't have that kind of of joy of like the the rural Maine, uh, yeah, the rural Maine crime blotters. I used to subscribe to the paper when I was away at college in New Jersey, and when I lived in Taiwan to our local paper, and it would just I, I'd get it, and it would there would always be these stories like headbutting contest goes awry. Mm-hmm. Police log one. It's just like yeah. headbutting contest in North Northport. <laughs> Bunch of drunk rednecks like just bashing their heads together. Or there was another one that was like man, man wrecks house with snowplow. Yes. Guy just comes home and it's just in a fit of rage. It's probably like in February or some god awful month in Maine. And he just it, it he was like, Well, I I was in pretty bad mood at the time. And 
just trashed his entire house. And he and there's a picture of him with this big grin on his face, holding his numbers for the county jail. And he goes, well, I'm a carpenter by trade. I'm looking forward to, to <laughs> renovating, building that house. He's just like, yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's plenty of plenty of material there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I I used I apparently you can go do ride alongs with police. Uh, which I didn't know. And apparently some people know and they just take advantage of the situation, like call up the cops every week and like, hey, can I go on a ride along again? And they get. But anyway, I, I remember going out with a ride along for my when I was reporting for the newspaper and just like these guys like chasing, uh, looking for uh, lobstermen that were involved in lobster wars. Mm. Um, you know, somebody cut somebody's trap. Or somebody was fishing in somebody's territory, and then they uh, tied off the line, then cut it, and then they started shooting at them, and then one burned out in the other's barn, and it was just like it would escalate from there. But like you go down in some of those towns, like Friendship, and the cop would be asking people, and he's just like, "Yeah, they don't, they don't really like law enforcement around here." <laughs> <laughs> like you know, they go out and they'd be like. Yeah, that son of a bitch out in New Bedford. Don't you worry about it. We'll take care of him when he gets back. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's that's always been kind of a uh, kind of mentality in a lot of those places. And so you saw the uh, real tension between locals and law enforcement just over the fact that like, oh, we'll, we'll, we, we dispense our own justice. <laughs> right. So uh, people who are from not from Maine, I guess might be surprised how much pot there is in Temp Tales. Bud Kelly and his crew, they're not stoners in the classic sense, but they smoke a lot of weed. Yeah. And so, keep a low hum. Keep a low hum. Keep a low hum, yeah. And so one question I have is, is this, would you say, uh, is this, is this a, a mid-coast Maine thing or is it just happened you had these mid coast mainers happen to smoke a lot of dope for um for comedic effect or was this something true to your experiences where bud and oh, his yeah. crew's low hum is, is pretty par for the course yeah i mean if you look at like main history mm. you know the cradle of the temperance movement one of the big complaints back in the day was particularly driven by employers because you know down in portland or other places the bell would ring at like 11 o'clock for the grog break and every all the workmen would <laughs> would stop work and just start boozing it up, you know, drinking cups right. of rum. And so I think on some of these crews, there's just a long time tradition <laughs> of just like, you know, this is what makes the day go by. Mm. Um, you know, I, I I'm glad I don't paint anymore. When I was painting houses, I was just like thinking about, okay, I could turn this into some material I'm writing or whatever. It was never like, this is going to be my career until I'm right. 65 years old or whatever. And so <clears throat> when I first started working, uh, painting houses, it was for a guy who was a real hard ass kind of straight laced dude who was very anti-drugs uh, and drinking and all of that. He's very conservative, uh, you know, kind of guy. And so one time, uh, a couple of guys on our crew, he, he hired a couple hands for the uh, summer and he would leave the work site. And he and these guys have just 
they would be like, Hey, we're going to go buy weed. Come with us. And I was like, I, you know, I don't want to do that. I just want to paint the house, you know, like yeah. old. and they'd be like, no, you're coming with us. And so they would grab me and we'd get into a car. Did you get a whole like, Oh, not a team player. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, uh, I would get, they would force me to get high. And then I would come back to the site just totally like, you know, you find out you paint the same wall like five times. <laughs> um, and I remember one day, like they showed up so late when when we had finished on the job site I was working on. And we were waiting for these guys <clears throat> and he showed up, they showed up and the boss was like screaming at them. And the next night uh, they called me up and they said we got fired and they wanted to know if I had anything to do with it. I was like, no, I had nothing to do with it. And, and they were like, I don't understand. This doesn't make any sense. Like every single crew we've ever worked on, you know, we get to smoke pot on breaks. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> and, and and sometimes they have drinking breaks too. And my boss is just like, yeah, I fired up there. You know, I'm probably drinking. I don't know what they're up to, smoking weed. Yeah. Uh, and so it was, it was just kind of like certain crews, I think, were into that. Not every, not every painting crew, of course, mm-hmm. but uh i i it was just sort of like part of the work day and so temp tales was sort of based on a lot of my experiences and it wasn't meant to do like pot humor and one right. time i tried to pitch it to adult swim and i and we pitched the great strain and they just thought it was hacky because they thought it was just a, a show about pot humor and it's really not right uh, it's just it was actually sort of about the the battle between the small pot growers, the yeoman farmers and the big factory farms, you know, playing out all over again in Maine, people who've grown weed forever. And it's sort of been a little, you know, a pretty profitable underground economy in Maine for a long, very long time, at least until late 70s, mid 70s, when they started being able to grow here. And, you know, a lot of guys brought it back from Vietnam. And there's sort of this little hidden history that I tried to create, uh, tried to depict in the cartoon based on stories I've heard from old timers about growing weed and paying off their property taxes and, you know, the this people paying, uh, you know, the town fathers in these rural towns sort of turning their turning their heads away of some of the weed businesses that were happening because they were helping to. <laughs> support the town with their property taxes. And so when I did the great straight, I was really interested in how with the passage of the legalization referendum, how all these people were coming out of the woods, coming out and, and growing pot legally for medical. And then the big threat of corporate weed coming down. And they're, they're still fighting that today. And, you and know, the great strain is still... This is an ongoing Tolkien-esque epic that fans <laughs> are fans are eagerly awaiting future installments. I believe we're what we're five, we're five in. And yeah, yeah. We I do have another one. I recorded one last year and I got little Peters and another guy on it, uh, these new characters. But I don't know if you know little Peters. He he's this guy from uh Lee Maine. Uh, and he does hilarious videos just talking about stuff. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, the problem, what ha- what happened with YouTube is they really downgraded a lot of independent creators and it became so much more co- corporatized. So when we started doing cartoons in 2012, it was kind of the perfect time. And a lot of 
creators were were making it viral and and you know a lot of them were making some money off their videos uh but gradually there, there was like the ad apocalypse where you know a lot of white supremacists and unsavory types were making ad revenue unbeknownst to some of these sponsors right so started downgrading videos that had adult content or whatever and and then they just they just made it really hard uh, the algorithm just made it really hard for new creators to get their stuff out there and so you know we just saw our viewership just really um tumble you know it may have been also because they didn't they weren't into our new stuff and that may have been part of it but it was also just youtube was not very favorable to mm. kind of what we were doing mm -hmm. um and so we do want to make that episode again. We, I, I just wrote another script with I, my buddy uh, Seth Macy from uh, New Main News. I don't know if you ever read that old website, but it's a good friend of mine lives in Rockland. And oh. uh, he had a hilarious website uh, that was kind of like the main onion called New Main News. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, on that the episode, I actually did start animating that episode. Oh, I yeah. Think oh, you like did? Oh, did yeah last year i think it was probably a one or two minutes in and then and the i had to animate things that are actually gonna pay the bills yeah right that's most of it we're mostly yeah. doing commercial animation now yeah. mm. i was gonna ask so what is your production cycle of an episode whether it's a you know a great strain or one of the the one-offs that are so beloved yeah. So, you know, I write the scripts and then, you know, we'll go out and, and record it. I've got a got a little crew of people like the voice of Garth and Bunny. He does some other voices, does a lot of crowd scenes. And uh, we met her Frenchie through um, Main College of Art. And then uh, got a, another friend of mine who lives in Lincolnville who's like the former fire chief who does a lot of the voice of like uh, the guys like, you want to hear how my freaking can sounds? Bah, bah. <laughs> you know, and, and so we'll get the recording done and I'll mix that. And then Hanji will just start animating from the script and the audio. Mm -hmm. And Hanji, how long, how long does it take you? Let, <laughs> let's say how many, how many hours do you spend per minute of, of on-screen action? Um, uh, it really depends uh, on how complex the action is. Uh, well, I guess for animation standard, uh, for those who don't know the process of animation, it's um 12 frames per second. So for one second animation, by default, it's kind of like 12 different drawings. Hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of the standard, uh, just to give you an idea of how long it takes to animate. But um, for Temptails, uh, most of the character are already created, and I make them kind of into like a puppet almost. So it does shorten the time, but it still does take a long time. I can't really tell you exactly how many hours I would spend on um each scene it's a lot but it is a lot yeah <laughs> the labor of love yeah uh, so there are a number of people who very much love this show who 
Can I ask, do you have a, a sort of celebrity recognition moment or, or a celebrity get <laughs> that you're most proud of? Bill Green did a did an episode on us once, you know, from Bill Green's Maine. Oh. You know, Titus Wellover really likes our stuff. He's from Lincolnville and does is on that show Bosch. Um, oh, you had the Mallet Brothers band on. Yep. I wasn't sure if there was, you know, somebody you were particularly proud of and me, or maybe oh. a celebrity that well-adjusted people outside of Maine have heard of as well, you know. <laughs> I mean, I think um, probably one of the biggest celebrity we've had uh, was Dispose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think we sort of met him indirectly through Temptails because of our show and his music. We cross paths at different events many times and then finally connected and um started working together on several different projects um so yeah he he's i guess one of the bigger ones um, um meteorologist paul, paul janice <laughs> yeah i mean the mallet brothers are good friends of ours mm-hmm. um, i was a big fan of theirs so i wanted to put them in the cartoon and then we sort of became friends that way oh um, and we've gone on little tours with them, you know, playing out at out at Rangeley. Uh, they would put us up for the night. We we'd show our new cartoons at at the um, Bullet Moose Alley. Oh there, God. they 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 usually would have like a weekend engagement there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we love to include like local musicians and local bands. Mm-hmm. And so we've been able to meet a lot of cool people that way. And we always try to sort of promote them with the cartoon and yeah i mean i you know supposedly it's it the cartoon is here to stay as far as like in people's consciousness <laughs> did there some like right wing oh howie carr yeah. the talk radio guy oh ugh. they want yeah. he wanted to be on it <laughs> and i was like yeah i'll give you a call <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put a you know right wing talk radio guy on on our show you know we we were asked to do like a barstool sports thing we we've we've been asked to do a lot of different projects really temptails was a way for us to get our i mean it wasn't why we did it but it's temptails was a launching point for hanji's animation career in a way because Mm -hmm. we started making a lot of cartoons for different advertisers like you know, I think the first we did a series for Southern Maine, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, mm-hmm. and then we did they're on TV, and then we started doing Revision Energy and Efficiency Maine, and now mm-hmm. we make educational animations about climate change. And so it's sort of, but it's like we're always trying to get back to Temp Tales, and we get hired for a lot of things because they want Temp Tales humor, but without the <laughs> vulgarity. Yes. Without the salt. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, Hanji, to your earlier point, was there a moment when you first realized, oh, we've really got something here because, uh, you know, a a news outlet contacted you wanting to talk about your work? Like, when was the first, what was your first brush with fame when (laughs) Temptail started? Uh, Yeah, I I think, uh, was it Bangor Daily News interviewed us um, when we had our second episode? But I I think... 
the the moment for me um instead of people recognizing me and all that is I think it was 2014 the last year in Portland we were living in this really shitty apartment on Park Street like the wall is like cardboard (laughs) you can hear everything from upstairs next door like we would hear guys getting off at night (laughs) anyway that's besides the point the point (laughs) is the wall was very thin Mm -hmm. and uh one afternoon we happened to hear our neighbors watching temptails and that was the moment that was like oh my god we made (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, were they were they watching it to get in the mood? I I, I hope not. No, that oh, was, okay. I was gonna say because that would be its own kind of praise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at one point we found we were trying to look at our our uh, YouTube um, uh, insights or whatever to figure out who was watching it because mm-hmm. it went from like just like our first video went from like a couple views to all of a sudden like a thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand. It just like kept going up. And we figured out it was like the average age was like 18 to 54 year old men from Lincoln, Maine. <laughs> and I put out on Facebook and this guy from Lincoln was like, dude, that's me. I've been showing all my buddies. Um, but it, I mean, it became this thing where like I would go around like I used a pseudonym for my name on the cartoon and, and still do kind of. So people don't necessarily know who we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Until they'll be like, somebody will tell them. And so I still get that when I'm working with my day job and I'll call somebody up and somebody will tell them, you know, who I am. And he's like, oh my God, dude, you know, <laughs> OJ. You know, I have like people, I remember somebody like just walking along the street in Rockland and some guy driving by and being like, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that would happen from time to time. And I, I did this past fall i was canvassing door to door and i would say my name and they knew me i was like in my hometown and like all these people they knew i was the one who did oh chang and so they knew all the characters too they're like oh that's bobby you know (laughs) (laughs) they they didn't want to talk about politics they wanted to talk about oh chang bud kelly endorsed some candidate recently didn't he yeah yeah that's uh peter crockett um Peter's a great guy. We've done some cartoons together and I hope to have him in the upcoming Temptales episode. He lives up in Argyle and just a real character. And I was like, okay, we got to endorse you, but uh, Peter, because he's running for running for state legislature. He didn't get it, but uh, it was a real uphill climb where he was. Did he get a bud bump after the ad aired? Was there was there a spike in interest and donations, I hope? <laughs> I don't know. I think he just shared it on his Facebook page. We just shared it on social media. It didn't it didn't really get that much traction. So are there any new characters that you you have imagined in the works? I mean, we have the Allen's clan, which we talk about in our and I, I don't know if it's episode one or episode two of um The Great Strain, based on uh basically a a, a group of lobstermen out of the islands and and so we've recorded those parts with peter and peters so yeah i i'm really excited about that episode because i always want to do a lobster episode we also have a script that's basically a uh about it's it's our sort of home improvement episode about uh the whole hog which is like this horrible like 
piece of machinery that people use to wire houses and it's it'll like kill you um so i worked with that with seth macy on uh, what was seth macy on that but yeah we we, we definitely have more one of my favorite episodes that we did has never been aired anywhere because we did it for um, a, a company that puts in uh, telephone poles and Donnie, it was starring Donnie. And it's, it's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> we wrote it with the work crew and, and uh, it just came out really, really funny, but yeah, someday, someday I'd love to release that. <laughs> so I asked you about your favorite characters. I would, I guess I would have assumed that Bud Kelly is the, favorite character in terms of fan interest but maybe i'm wrong maybe that's me projecting my own uh experiences with your with your work on there who in your experiences has been the most beloved character in terms of what people yell at you or or cheer and laugh about definitely bud yeah you're you're right about that oh yeah yeah okay. people now, love bud you... they they see themselves in bud people also really like donnie um, cause people, you know, I have people contact me and they're like, dude, that's my dad. Like, how do you know my dad? <laughs> and I'm just like, I've noticed so many Donnie's in my life, just grumpy main dads. <laughs> like, oh, damn it. Get the bicycle out of the driveway before I run over the goddamn thing. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, definitely bud. <laughs> he's, you know, he's just sort of the archetype sort of kind of working class blue collar Mainer. Um, did yeah. you know that Bud was going to be cut? Like when you when you did the first, um, the, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the first episode with the shit pokes, but um, oh, Fantasy Island. That's yeah, Fantasy Island. So with Fantasy Island, did you after Fantasy Island did you intend for Bud to be the the sort of center of gravity? of temp tales or did this did you just end up deciding like oh afterwards sort of like oh this character that we made is great and we should keep orienting these episodes around him initially the show was was supposed to be about temp jobs mm -hmm. so it was really sort of adam going from different job to job and initially it wasn't like the web comic it was more sort of a graphic novel type thing it I didn't expect that we'd get the the kind of audience that we did. You know, I was sort of aiming it for the for the graphic novel set, but I never got any interest in it from from any of the comic stores in Portland. And so we so when we did I actually it was sort of a combination of things because years ago we used to always my friends and I used to always do a lot of main impressions. Uh, impressions of people we knew and we all talked about doing it for radio <laughs> or something like that and so it sort of melded those two interests I had together with the cartoon and you know the cartoon initially like we sent to our friends and neighbors and then it, it caught fire with like hunting and fishing forums online and that's where we traced where it was coming from. I was like, "What? Who is watching this video?" And it was, it was like, you know, rednecks. Yeah. <laughs> they, they loved it, uh, and you know, they loved the fact that we did cartoons about fishing and hunting and snowmobiling and and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was, it really just started out as just my observations, kind of funny observations I had from work. It was supposed to be a work cartoon. It's not safe for work. Right. Uh, 
and that it sort of became this like main thing. But we never set out to make main humor. That's mm-hmm. the thing. It was just supposed to be about what I knew. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and so we we started being categorized as like main humor, and it, it is, I guess, but we're never like trying to be like a main comedy or, or that that style of main humor that's, you know, from people like Tim Sample or, uh, you know, Bob Marley or whatever. So that's interesting that it took that route because that's absolutely right that many, I would say most of the the sort of media attention that gets lavished on temp tales and, you know, justifiably for its quality. But the, the thing that most people have focused on is that this is, this is main humor and this is, this is for, you know, for main people, et cetera, et cetera. And certainly you're not trying to, but some of it's definitely like inside references and whatnot. Once people started paying attention for those reasons, did that, did that change the approach that you two took in any way? I think so. We st- we decided, like I knew uh, after we did uh, Meet Recall, I wanted to do something about working on the island. And then people started like, they wanted to see something about snowmobiling. So I I, I set out to write a, write a episode about snowmobiling, but I didn't know much about snowmobiling. <laughs> I've snowmobiled, but I'm not a snowmobiler. Uh, and so we, I went down and talked to some guys, uh, who'd reached out to us from Ravex, uh, motorsports down in, was it South Portland or Scarborough? And, and we talked about like doing t-shirts together, doing some sort of like sponsorship kind of thing. And I just listened to them tell stories and took some of that language and, and used it to, in, in our episode. Um, and so that was an example of you know, going in that direction, giving the audience what they wanted. Another one, Smelton, um, mm-hmm. a guy I know uh, who's really into Smelton, uh, worked with me on that episode. And he was just, uh, you know, a, a working working guy who had a funny sense of humor and always wanted to write. And so we worked on that one together. And so I, I for a long time, it was basically like, hey, uh if you have some funny stories to tell, let me know and we'll hang out. <laughs> I've had a lot of people from the county want me to do stories about the county, county boys. The county has rabid fans. So the the very best performing episode of Mainly History yeah. is on potato growers in the county. Oh, really? People love I think it's just they love the county. At first, I was just like, people love potatoes. And, you know, <laughs> my my approach on this show is I try and do a little bit of everything, right? And I'm an early Americanist. And so that means the colonial history of Maine is more concentrated in the South and Coast area for the recorded stuff, uh, you know, for the written records. And so that's what I know best. But I I don't want the people living in Scow Vegas and and, you know, the county to feel excluded. So, you know, I've been trying to do that stuff too. Oh, man. Yeah, the, the episode with a, a rooster potato growers was just uh, <laughs> off the charts, off the charts. <laughs> yeah, there was a bowling team up in, gosh, I don't know where it was, Limestone or Fort Field or something. They really want me to come up. And I love people from the county. They're like the sweetest people. And, you know, when we were doing, uh, I was doing, canvassing this fall a bunch of people from our team went up to canvas and like Madawaska and stuff like that mm. and the thing is when you 
like they're it's kind of like a Minnesota nice kind of thing. Mm. Um they're just very, very polite. You'd talk to like the biggest, toughest looking dude and you'd be like, Oh, how are you doing? And and so I but I can't do the accent. So I was like, if we're gonna do an episode on the county, I need somebody who can do a county accent. Mm. <laughs> uh so maybe if somebody's listening, um, uh, they want to reach out to me and do a good county accent because it's it's very unique. <laughs> But it's I, interesting but I, that you mentioned Minnesota nice because my I'm originally from the the Midwest. I yeah. have extended family who lived in Minnesota forever. And my experience as a new New Englander, you know, who moved here a while back, I have not that is I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like New England and New Englanders, yeah. but there is a a real species of rural New Englander. I guess, especially in Connecticut, but everywhere I've gone, that's kind of the vibe is much more, why are you here? Please go away and leave <laughs> us alone. And we're yeah. not going to like chase you away and we will, you know, provide goods and services and directions to you, but we really wish you weren't here. And that undisguised aloofness yeah. is, is a feature of New England life that I have never experienced really to the same degree anywhere else. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are very reserved and, you know, suspicious of outsiders. That's always been a sort of trait, uh, you know, often having a little bit of a chip on their shoulder about people from away as well. Right. You know, I, th I think often it just takes people uh, time to get to know someone else. You know, they might make assumptions, but, you know, they'll, they'll get along with their neighbor perfectly well who's from mm -hmm. away. But there definitely is. And there's also this sense of, like people don't talk a lot you know you, you you talk to some old old time mainers they don't necessarily you know they're kind of quiet and you know reserved and it's a it's different in the county because we're a bunch of crank cranky grumpy people down down in the rest <laughs> of the at least in my experience you know what i'm calling because i was a reporter for a while and, and now I'll, um you know we're doing articles for labor for a labor newsletter but every time i talk to people from the county county like you knock on their door they'll be like come in <laughs> like oh. who i am <laughs> you know i knock on doors around in camden and i literally was talking to a speaker <laughs> right uh -huh. my family used to go my parents were public school teachers um and so we'd have you know summers off so we'd go uh, driving around the country in summers. And we had family in Caribou, Maine, that we would come visit. And I remember one time my dad was really grumpy. You know, we're driving up to see them and I was having a good time and I was saying something about liking Maine and my dad kind of harumphs and he says, oh, please, you go into the convenience store and ask something and all you can get is a yup or a nup out of these people. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, I don't I don't know if you notice in one of our cartoons, we, we have bud walking into the general store and all the guys are sitting around the table just like rah, 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 rah. <laughs> they're all looking up at him and like I, I think some people didn't really get the reference like what i was doing there but you know i'll walk into to drake's in, in lincolnville and all the people there sitting there the coffee clatch will just look up and watch me and i know that they're talking you know <laughs> What are they saying about me or whatever? And they'll just nod. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that also <clears throat> kind of goes back to, for me, you know, had I known that this is going to become known as main humor, a cartoon, I would have 
chose a different name for us because I'm very self-conscious about <clears throat> that the fact that I am from away and I don't want people to think that I am someone from away making fun of people in Maine and you know, I'm already you know the, the, there's no chain there's a chain and oh cartoon and I just I don't know that just makes me a little uncomfortable <laughs> hmm. well on that I was going to ask first of all Hanji are you are any of your vocal stylings going to make it are you going to give voice to any characters down the road <laughs> um no I am um, I'm more of a behind the scene person <laughs> um I yeah no I I don't think so I'm not an actor either I'm just you, know. you were in one cartoon you did. Was I? Yeah, you actually made an appearance in Stomageddon, right? I did, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm putting myself and our daughter in the cartoon, like in the background, but you know, no. Oh, vocal. okay. <laughs> Look, yeah. You just, did a vocal of the car commercial we did. Yeah, I did. I'm asking this guy. Wasn't that good? Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm more of a behind the scene person. And, you know, and some people I have heard. Some people call us the Uchang brothers. They just like assume that it's two guys. Uchang bros. The cartoon. Chang bros. And I'm okay with that. I mean, my other question was going to be: Are, I mean, is there if there's new characters? I mean, Maine doesn't have tons of immigrants, but it has immigrants, and so like, are there going to be any immigrant characters that appear in in future versions of Temp Tales? I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, I know you're not like, you know, you would do it in a way that would make sense. I wouldn't suggest that you're doing some sort of a PSA of like Bud being like, now listen, be nice to immigrants. You know, like I'm sure you would do something that made sense in the story. But I was just thinking like, yeah, you know, Maine has immigrants and, you know. Yeah, I mean, I the the one of the things that sort of limits what we do is it's all based on like who I know and can do voices. <laughs> <laughs> and mm. so I usually write the characters that we bring in are often so based on people we know that the characters sort of write themselves. It's just like we don't I don't live in a place where there are many immigrants. They've just never come up. I mean, except for Hanji. So yeah, look at me like that. <laughs> you only hang out with white people. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, aside from Haji, actually, well, we're next door neighbors from China. Yeah, uh, well, that's the thing, like you know, and and also not even just immigrant. We don't even have that many female characters on the show, and I never thought about that before until people were started pointing it out. Like, there's no female character, and it's because it's it's all written by Andy. Only hangs out with white guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and we've had people that like don't get it, uh, and, and they they want to like. I've had people contact me and wanting to do something about like a racist cartoon about immigrants. Like, uh, yeah, I was just like, what do you think we are? Um, <laughs> but you know, just just sort of like mocking immigrants in Augusta or whatever. It's just like it's, you know, if I wanted, if I'm going to do a cartoon, it it has to be sort of organic and it has to be like the people who it's about have to be part of the process of making mm -hmm. food, if you know what I mean because the you know the the other characters that I have in Ochang 
are like local people that I know and they'll do the voices too. And they'll right. know we're, we both know the same people. And so the characters will come from that. If I was to just do a cartoon about immigrants, like I don't know a lot of immigrant people besides Hanji. Yeah, and 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 I was giving Andy shit earlier for hanging out with white guys, but I mean, to his defense, there really isn't that many. Maine is, I believe, unless the census has changed, whoever the first place in whitest state is, or however yeah. you want to put it, but the state with the highest percentage of non-Hispanic whites, it's been Maine for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's yeah. always like Maine and Iowa, you know, dueling, dueling for the top or something of, of that. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's definitely true. And, and you know, it's it's also like based on an island where there's just no, <laughs> there aren't any immigrants. Right. Um, so, you know, it's it's not something I'm against. It's just... Um, sure, sure. No, and that's what I meant about making sense organically with knowing people, right? Like it's, yeah. Um, so I just wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, uh, it's interesting thinking that, yeah, people have contacted you wanting you to do racist cartoons bashing immigrants. It occurs to me that... <laughs> Bud Kelly is kind of a Ron Swanson figure in the, in the sense of, and this is the parks and rec for, for people struggling with their references. No, not you. Of course. I just meant, you know, uh, for listeners, but so in the sense that he's this kind of libertarian ish person that, you know, the, the sort of actors or the talents behind them have framed them as not being, you know, exclusionary or anything else, but that, I could see in both cases, people with more sinister agendas could try and co-opt both Bud Kelly and Ron Swanson and claim that they're like anti-immigrant or in favor of sort of more, uh, more sort of punching down kind of belief systems. Yeah, we had a, there was a main alt-right Facebook group that started that had uh, Bud Kelly as their as their logo and of course i got pissed off and told them to take it down and they finally did and called me a bunch of gay slurs but i don't think the thing is with bud is that bud is his point of view comes from just his personal experience like he's not an ideological person no he'd be like and that was the point when we ran him for governor his one issue was being able to take his mud truck on the road <laughs> he was he, he said fucking cops would let him take his take his mud truck on the road so he's like you know you elect me i'll let you take your mudder on the road um uh, let me dump whatever crap i've got from my painting crew in the backyard but you know i think people sort of project what they want onto mm-hmm. bud yeah uh mm-hmm. but he's not um and that's you know where it came from with like howie carr wanting bud to be listening to howie carr and i'm like what makes you think Bud would want to listen to Howie Carr? You know, the guy that I based Bud on is actually would actually yell at me for turning on conservative radio. It's like, I don't need any idiots to tell me what to think. Yeah, I would imagine Bud wouldn't listen to any political media at all. No, not at all. If Bud and, voted, I would be shocked. Well, the guy who the guy who I based it on told me he came over a little while ago and he told me. He voted for Janet Mills because she gave him a check. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I could see Bud doing that. <laughs> she gave me a check. And that was that I mean, that was 
basically, I mean, he'd always voted like conservatively, but uh, he never voted Democrat ever. But then all of a sudden, he's just like, yeah, give me a check. Or it was like Trump cheated on his taxes. Uh, but it, it's, it, it doesn't come from like, like, so I, but I don't think Bud would ever have like a, you know, a, a Trump sign on his lawn or something like that. Right. Like that. He's, yeah, he's totally apolitical. Yeah, and for me, I, I I do have a very more complex relationship with our fans. Well, and and I think a lot of it also just comes to me being self conscious about the fact that I'm not from Maine. But I have had many incidents when we go and show our cartoon, you know, especially if we go up to the local Bar Harbor people or, uh, you know, up in Rangeley. I've had people that would very obviously treat me differently than how they treat Andy. Guys would ask me to hold their coat. Um, Just Mm. very random things that, I don't know if it's the fact that I'm Asian or because I'm a girl or both. I, I just the way they treat me or talk to me is it's it's very weird. I am not like really angry to offended, but it's just really bizarre when that happens. Like they are our fan. They like something I created, but at the same time they do treat me very differently. And and again, I don't think they're being racist intentionally. Uh it could be ignorant or something, but yeah, I, I it is uh, our fan. Um, I have very complex feelings about some of our fans. Mm. I'm I was surprised initially when you said fans in Bar Harbor. I was like, oh well, I bet some of the Bar Harbor people are the cardigan around the neck yeah. people that you are making fun of. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> oh yeah, well I mean I think that's where a lot of those fans in those areas uh, are, uh, and certainly. You know they 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 work for those people. Yeah, the local. We only go up in the winter when there's no tournament. Gotcha. Gotcha. Some of my favorite. I mean, we've been we we would show our cartoon around to different like like I said like we go to Rangeley, we go mm-hmm. to Bar Harbor, went to Bangor, Portland, just mm-hmm. different places. And Bar Harbor was one of my favorite places because mm-hmm. they totally got what we were doing as far as the Fantasy Island, the whole relationship with the wealthy summer people and and dealing with all their bullshit because <laughs> uh, they had they they had lived that exactly thinking about your fans do you have a lot of main diasporic fans who have moved away and sort of uh use your show to to reconnect i'm thinking in this way you know harriet beecher stowe famously new englander who moved to ohio and wrote all these nostalgic new england kind of sentimental short stories with a bunch of other new englanders hanging out in cincinnati missing home we've we've had a lot of people from who live elsewhere the sort of main expats contact us and say that you know they love our cartoon and it makes us makes them homesick i actually had a guy told me a little while ago that he and his wife moved back to Maine because they saw our cartoon and they were really homesick. Um, wow, Maine <laughs> should be paying you for this stuff. Like, yeah. I, I mean, the state is old and poor and it needs more people to come in there and keep the budget afloat. So like, yeah, <laughs> we've had, you know, a lot of servicemen and women uh, watch the cartoon, you know, and they're stationed overseas and stuff. And it kind of, 
reminds him of home. Um, so that's, that feels really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, I, we, we sort of tried to try to sort of branch out and see if we could go beyond Maine, but it really is as far as like expanding the audience, but it is still very much a sort of niche thing for Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, although we did, we have had a few people from other states who were just like, you know, who've never been to Maine. And mm-hmm. like, some guy was like, I was like making fun of how we had all, only our fans are in Maine and somebody from Australia was like, oh, man, I watch your show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's nice, you know. Um, do you see your uh, temp tales in terms of any relationship to earlier uh, local comedians or regionalist sensibilities that you're, even if you didn't initially intend to, you realize like, oh, I guess we're a part of this tradition? Troy Bennett wrote an article about us from the Bangor Daily News, and he he'd made some connections which were kind of interesting because it was a whole series about Maine humorists. There's a sort of traditional form of Maine or Yankee humor where it's kind of the wise country fella getting one over on the rich city slicker. Um, you know, and there's certainly a little bit of that. There's always that sort of class dimension in the cartoon. Uh, Seba Smith, the old humorist from the 19th century. There's another one. He was an editor, I guess. Um, but I John Neal? Really... What's that? John, John Neal? Interesting. I really like some of John Neal's uh, language that he uses. Uh, I was reading a play by him, and it was it, it was very mainish, And I couldn't tell if it was like real slang or if he just made it up. But it was really good. <laughs> he apparently was, he was the, we have an earlier episode about John Neal, which listeners should totally check out if we, uh, if they, if they haven't heard it before. He's credited with really being a pioneer in American vernacular writing in yeah. terms of using dialect for his characters in his, uh, in his writing. Yeah, I, 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 I did want to take more of a look at some of that stuff because we were going to do, um, a series of like main history um, cartoons. We did one for down East. That was the first sober barn raising in Maine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Back in, back in 1841 in Bath when, you know, the, the owner of the farm said, you know, we're going to try to raise this without booze. And every, all the men in town started jeering and heckling them (laughs) while the children raised it. Um, You know, and, and 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 do some of that, and, and, and look at some of the old vernacular and mm-hmm. slang and stuff like that. So John Neal would probably be a good source for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 humor from Maine. There's certainly aspects of sort of local humor as far as you know, making fun of people from away and all that. But I, lately, especially, it's really kind of like bothered me a little bit. I'm like, because the from away thing, it just becomes so xenophobic. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and I don't want to do that. You know, I think we can make fun of everybody equally. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it certainly with when Maine started attracting more immigrants, it, it, it became a real problem. And, mm-hmm. you know, people get really bothered by it who live on the coast, who come from away and have tried to blend in. But at the same time, there's always going to be people from away that totally debase themselves and act like idiots. You right. know, I'm thinking of like that story of 
of the woman who moved to Vinyl Haven, who was like a social media influencer and started like a pop-up restaurant in downtown Vinyl Haven. I mean, what could go wrong? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> One of the earliest episodes we ever did, uh, I was interviewing Jim Melcher, who's the a political scientist up in um, Maine Farmington. And he, yeah. he pointed out one of the distinguishing features of Maine's 20th century history is that it's the only northern New England state that didn't have a big influx of immigrants from away come in. Whereas Vermont and New Hampshire, both after World War II, had had big ones that shaped the trajectory of their states. And obviously, it's not that Maine doesn't have any newcomers. It's just that it hasn't received any to the extent that they've really like dominated its politics or shaped the trajectory of the state. And that makes it unusual in northern New England. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I wasn't aware of that for for uh, particularly Vermont. Uh, oh, look at, I mean, think about Bernie Sanders, like clearly not from Vermont, right? Well, apparently he was part of a greater wave of New Yorkers who moved up the Hudson River to um, Vermont. Well, I mean, I, I grew up in the whole back to the land movement. And so my dad's from Maine, but my mom is from Illinois. And, you know, a lot of those people from away, I mean, that that did change in the 70s. It did change Maine's demographics. Mm-hmm. They're not a racial demographic. Yeah, and right. your mom liked it. I don't think anybody did more than your mom for Lincolnville. Yeah. Um, and yeah, your mom wrote two history books. She's still very active in the historical society. And yeah, and and but still, she's being considered. She's from away. She's been living in Lincolnville for what fifty years. <laughs> Kitten in the oven. Don't make them biscuits. I, I uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've certainly heard that, but my mom's last name was Rosing. And so when she moved to Lincolnville, there was all these rumors that a Jew was moving. <laughs> and, you know, it's not Jewish. It's a German name. It's not Rosing. Right. Uh, but, you know, that's that's the kind of environment she was moving into, you know, back, back in those days. And it was, you know, this would have been late 60s, early 70s. And so it was really, uh, mid-coast was pretty remote. I mean, it would, I guess, be like Washington County, although it, now like Washington County is becoming a popular place to buy homes and things <laughs> like that. So, right. you know, the back of the land movement really shaped a lot of the back of the land movement also sort of shapes our cartoon. I mean, Uncle Buzzy is really sort of this hippie, sort of redneck hybrid of the back land movement. And you go to, to, to some of these places like in West Athens and stuff, you see sort of these hybrid Mainer hippies, you know, <laughs> that <laughs> weed, but, you know, like to drive big trucks or whatever and wear tie-dye shirt. <laughs> oh, no shoes. No shoes. <laughs> no shoes, have a gun, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like the back to the land, back to the landers sort of intermingled with the locals and it created a hybrid. You know, I the selectman in Lincolnville, he always said that when his father filled out the census, he would always fill out that that I'm a U.S. citizen who was born in America and my wife was born in Islesboro. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, Hanji, yeah. thank you so much for being with us and hopefully we will speak with you again soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. That's our show. Many thanks again to 
Hanji and Andy for taking the time to join us, and to their four-year-old daughter for being such a good sport about her weekend being interrupted. That was her chiming in at the end there. Join us next time as we talk about how sardines and industry transform life on the Down East Coast in the early 1900s. It's a story tying together labor, the environment, industrial change, and migration. It's all right here on Mainly History.